What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 545, I think, of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Adam, not joined by Jill today, but I am joined by someone making her glorious return. It's my buddy, Christina. Hey, Christina, how's it going? Hi. Hello. Hi. I have there. to. Yeah, there yeah. it is. Um, so we were just talking before we started recording. Uh, Christina used to come on all the time when we were in the office, and it was much easier for Jill and I to guilt trip our coworkers into <laughs> the podcast. Um, but we haven't been on in a while and been a minute. Had, and it's been a minute. It's been a hot minute. It's been a hot minute as the kids say. Yeah. Also for listeners who may be relatively new, Krista is one of my best friends and I will be calling her Christina, Krista, and probably CT at some point because these are all her names. So. <laughs> I will allow it. I will allow it. Yeah. So there's um, it's all one person, but it's all her. Yeah, you know. Some, you know, it's like, I feel whenever someone calls me Krista at this point, which is actually a nickname, I'm like, well, who is that? Who's that person? Because at work, I'm Christina. To all my friends, I'm CT. To my nieces and nephews, I'm Aunt CC. So it's like, you're calling me Krista. I feel like you're going to yell at me. So yeah, listen, if I get over, if I go off topic, just call me Krista and I'll like rein it in. Yeah, I think I'm Adam at the office, but like my mom and dad call me AJ. One of some of my uh, nieces and nephews call me Uncle Bubba. Some of them call me Uncle Murchy. No one has just one name. It's okay. Anyway, they're all they're all Christina. They're all one person. So because our whole group of friends is vaccinated, uh, Christina was actually over at my house for the first time in forever this weekend and had a lovely idea. So it was basically like books that maybe didn't need sequels more or less but only because they were so great out the gate none of this is no flames no hatred I think it's just a lot of these books I've read I obviously work at overdrive I'm a voracious reader there are some books that like stay with me and I always have this immediate response when a book gets a sequel I'm like why Mm -hmm. it was so good and I think it's just is how I feel there are various reasons why books may get a sequel that maybe didn't need. So like some of mine, and I'll be honest, I know all y'all listening enjoy when we get sassy about books. We know this now because you guys have done told us over the past couple episodes recently. Um, some of mine are series that definitely like they were maybe always planned to be a sequel or a trilogy. And I'm just going to dunk on a couple of them. And then other ones, I'll just say kind of like what you said, like, I think they were good as standalones. Listen, that doesn't mean that they're not, the books 
that come out like maybe you'll enjoy them but we just want to give you our reasoning why we didn't think it was necessary and I guess I'll put the books we talk about in the show notes this is always one of those weird things where I'm like we'll I'll put the books we talk about in the show notes that we are gonna maybe make fun of a little bit with all love and respect and I I think it's one of those things that Andrea who's been on the podcast before will tell you I always like I enter into series like a little bit suspiciously because I know it's a long drawn out epic. I know that. And I I sign up for that. And I do like when I know I'm getting into a series, but I also go in like a little bit like nervous because I'm like, okay, I'm really invested in this first story. And what if it goes off and like goes off in a tangent and this isn't the good guy, this is the bad guy. And I don't know. So I have someone who loves a series, but I also have like a lot of thoughts about series. Well, and there can also be reasoning and then we'll get into the books thing, but like there can be a reason I like, like a perfect example is the Hunger Games uh, trilogy. Yeah, four movies, three books. Technically there's the one that just came out too. Yeah, which that's, that would be the one I would deem unnecessary. Haven't read the prequel one. I don't need to know the backstory about President Snow. I don't want to root for him at any point. And that's usually what prequels do. But anyway, like the first two Hunger Games books, they were amazing. And like the reason I love the Hunger Games is like the Hunger Games parts of the Hunger Games. The third one, while good and sad, like it was just so blatantly different for obvious reasons if you've read the books, but like they couldn't do a third Hunger Games after this, the ending of the second one. So like I knew going in it was going to be different, but like it didn't stick with me because in order to conclude the series, you couldn't just in perpetuity write books about the Hunger Games that would make you kind of a psychopath who enjoys right. murdering children. Who, yeah. Who, so I think we don't take any of our advice to heart because we are probably just weirdos who love certain things. Like I got mad when Harry left Hogwarts because he had to go fight a war. Yeah. <laughs> and I spent, you know, five, six books understanding why he had to go fight the war. But I remember going into the seventh one being like, we're not at Hogwarts. Yeah, I, I, yeah, so that's, so like books can be different for whatever reason. It can be like, well, they have to add new characters just by nature of it being a different book. And that's maybe why it doesn't jump off the page. But anyway, let's, so let's get into them. I'll, the first one, I'll just get my first one out of the way just to like really set the stage for I will dunk on something. <laughs> um, Long time listeners know that Jill and I adore Ready Player One. <laughs> we, openly previewed ready player two excitedly before either of us had read it it's terrible ready player two <laughs> is awful ready player one is one of like the most fun and like there it's problematic for its own reasons but it's one of the most fun books that i read like it's just enjoyable it's a great world to get lost in it has wonderful nostalgia it has great uh like pop culture references it's video games and it's escapism it's great ready player two has a plot that several major plot points get discussed early in the book that just like don't ever come to they don't get resolved and there's no effects about them uh there are characters and plot points that feel literally like gatekeepery like the first one is oh if you're kind of nerdy maybe you'll get this pop culture stuff regular player two is like unless you are you, you own like you know every pop culture thing you're not going to get this but it's written in a way that's like <laughs> we know something that you don't pushes glasses up nose at you like <laughs> And it was just like such a swing and a miss. And I think this was one of the examples of like everyone loved Ready Player One and it was going to become a movie and it became a movie and the movie while wildly different was still like fun. Like I still enjoy Ready Player One, the movie. It's so different from the book, but it's still fun. And it's a world that everyone was excited to go back into. And so the author, Ernest Klein, probably was like, yeah, I got a second story they're going to love. And like, 
it, it was a best, like an instant New York Times number one bestseller. So it, I don't feel bad talking about books. All of the books on this list are super popular. So I'm not worried about my own opinion, but yeah, it was just a complete swing and a miss. Like it went from being feeling like heartwarming and endearing that these characters were kind of nerdy to like their nerdiness became like brutally, like every single obscure reference, the characters were like, and of course I immediately knew that this was what they were talking about. It's like, no one would know that. No one would. And I think it's also, and I, I don't know, I can't speak to this and I don't think it's the case with every book here, but I think as an author, I can only assume you write one of these books and you, you put your heart and your soul and all this energy and all this love into it. And you may not have planned for a second book. Mm-hmm. But then, whoa, the world loves your story. So you're like, okay, crap, I got to come up with a second story. And I think you spend so much time and energy marinating on that first book mm-hmm. that the magic may get lost in the second. And, and that's not always true. Like there's definitely series that I've loved and read. And I'm like, whoa, this is my favorite book in this series. It's, and it's not, sometimes it's not the first, but I think there are a couple who start off as standalones and maybe corporate America gets in there and is like, no, we want, we, we need more. We need more. And like these authors are like, I'll give you more. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe they shouldn't have. Yeah. It, and so that was, that, that Ready Player Two just felt so flat to me that like I said, it just felt cold and I can't explain why the magic of the first one worked and why the second one didn't, but to me, it absolutely didn't. And again, this is one that I've now spent too much time talking about because people have heard me make fun of it. But so anyway, Krista, Christina, CT, what's your first one? Okay. Let me start off by saying that this is my, like one of my all time favorite books. Mm-hmm. And I've actually talked about it on the podcast before you by Caroline Kepnes, who I love, who I follow, who I think is like brilliant, funny, just all amazing at everything. I love you so much. Oh, I love you too. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that this was one of like one of the most entertaining, thoughtful, thought provoking, entertaining books I've ever read. Still to this day, still love that book. So you is now part of, I believe, what's four books in a series? I know there's a trilogy. What's four? Well, they, so the giver, they call that the quadrant quintet, I think. Wait couplet no that's oh, I, that's two I think it's a quintet <laughs> why you talk I'm gonna look it up okay so you was uh is now part of a plan four book series I believe I believe she's planning out a fourth one I just read the third in the series uh you love me um and it was amazing I give I give I think okay this is I give all the books in the you series five out of five stars because Joe Goldberg the main character is that entertaining that I will read any of his shenanigans and he's you know which says a lot about me. So people probably listening are like, Joe Goldberg is your favorite. Okay. You like so, a dark character. I like a yeah. dark character. I like a flawed character. And what I love that, what I love about the You series is Caroline Kepnes is so aware of like what's going on in the world that she manages to put in like subtle references to the world. And it's always hilarious. Mm-hmm. My favorite line in the third book, uh, You Love Me. Uh, it has, I won't say the bad word, but it's like, the main character, Joe, is trying to figure something out and he can't because the person he's trying to figure out is not on Facebook or Twitter. And that's what he's allowed himself to get mixed up in. And he says, I guess I'm doing it. I'm going on effing TikTok. And mm-hmm. I laughed so hard because it is, it's like, she does such a good job of explaining Joe's world in a way that seems easy enough to understand for you. She uses reference to things around and probably she, she makes fun of things you've probably made fun of, but may not want to admit you made fun of. Here's my issue with it. 
you was perfect. I think by the third book, Joe has gotten away with too much that it feels almost too good to be true. He's the same character he was in you. He's the same character he was in Hidden Bodies and he's still the character we know and love in this third book. However, his luck feels too great. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's just like, you, you feel guilty because you're rooting for this murderer, stalker, strange guy, that I, I think now that I've invested so much time, I'm curious, like, how is this going to work out for Joe? Because it can't, it cannot work out for Joe. I just don't see that happening. And the way you ended was perfect, in my opinion, because mm-hmm. it's like, you can assume what happens to Joe, but now after what will be four books, you're too invested to not know what happens to Joe. Whereas if the first book had ended for me, I could have accepted that I don't really know how his story went on mm-hmm. to make my own assumptions. It's a series worth picking up. That's all I'll say. You'll laugh. You'll feel bad for laughing. You'll think there's something wrong with you. Um, but it was such a perfect first book that I would have been okay with it as a standalone. Mm-hmm. Um, and now mark me, you know, the fourth book will come out and I'll change my whole entire tune. I'm like, I'll be like, I'm so glad she wrote a fourth book. This is amazing. Yeah. Yada, yada, yada. So. Um, quadrilogy. Quadri- Quadri- quadrilogy, like trilogy, quadrilogy. Quadrilogy. Yeah, so, uh, from everything I've looked up, and by I mean everything, I mean the Wikipedia page I looked up briefly. Um, quartet is four books that are somewhat connected but separate kind of stories, but a quadrilogy is apparently four books because it's weird. You usually like a lot of fantasy and like why books will be duologies, which is two books, or trilogies. You don't usually get a four book one. It's interesting. Quadrilogy. 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 Thank. <laughs> um. Okay, my next one, I'm going to be brief on this, but it's Divergent. Really like Divergent, the first book. The second one, I think, is, is Insurgent. I think that one was fine. And Allegiant, I just hated the way that it ended. And I don't really want to give it away in case people want to read it. But like, this was, I feel like Divergent came in around, the, came out around the same time as like Hunger Games and Maze Runner, where there are these like awesome YA kind of dystopian trilogies and series going on that were just sort of there there was um you know the hunger games like i talked about before but they have districts and maze runner has like these different kind of like segments of people and and then divergent has these different sort of houses and they're all obviously like somewhat based off of like the writer's interest in harry potter like obviously but um there were there's five factions in divergent um and like the way that it's set up is really interesting and fun but like just unique it's very unique it's very unique and is super interesting and like though even the first in the first book the main character Tris makes like it interesting and like tough choices that maybe you wouldn't expect in a young adult book like the very kind of dark or like challenging choices and so maybe that is sort of like trying to set the stage for you in your brain as to what ends up happening in the end which I'm gonna be very big on but just like I hated Allegiant I hated the third book so so much and like I remember the a big spoiler which I will not give here I will let people figure it out and go read it if you want but like I learned about it before I read the book and I was like "Ah, I'm still gonna do it and I read it and I was like yeah I hated that I got it spoiled for me by Overdrive Facebook because someone wrote it in the comments and I was like I remember that because I was managing our social media at the time oh that's so funny but it's Um, fine and I think it's the same as you I think you can respect, and I'm not going to reveal it either. You can respect that decision that Veronica Roth made because not a lot of people were doing that. Mm-hmm. 
you 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 want to celebrate when people go off the beaten path and try unique things a la caroline kepnes and you and sometimes it works great other times you're like nope yep i wanted the happy ending yeah it just left a sour taste in my mouth and i didn't enjoy that sour taste so yeah that's that, that's that one what's what's your next one i'll be like i said i'll keep that one brief just because i it's i i know that's a pretty safe thing to say on the internet as you don't like allegiant but i don't like allegiant so what's your next one um i have a curse so dark and lonely by bridget kemmerer and i loved this book it was a great ya book it had a lot of like really interesting um twist and turn set in modern day but then there was like a whole other world underneath i loved it i loved the characters i loved harper i thought so what I loved about this is uh, the main character is a disabled person. And I thought she did a really good job representing that and representing that voice. I shouldn't, to someone who's not a disabled person, I shouldn't say that, but I thought she did a great job of setting that up and making it part of her story, part of her journey. I loved the love interest in the story. I loved the presence of a second potential love interest but then kind of had it kind of you know how i feel about love triangles i'm not a big fan of love triangles i love when there's conflict in a relationship but i don't like when the conflict is like is they are they gonna like is she gonna swap ships like what's gonna happen um i love that she had kind of the main character harper has a um a foot in the modern world because her family's going through really hard times um and I don't want to give away how it ends, but it really ended in a nice kind of like way that felt mm. like this is fine. This can be how this book ends. And it kind of has this sort of lean into beauty and the beast, fall in love, break the curse. We know how that story ends. Um, I found out there was a second book as I was finishing the first and I was excited. I was, I was genuinely excited to find out there was a second book. Mm -hmm. But then I found out that it was exploring another character in the story. And I found out from some reviews that it was kind of dissecting what happened and sort of changing what was established in the first. Authors do this. Sarah J. Moss has done it very successfully in a book I'll talk about shortly. I was so invested. And this, I guess, is like a very big shout out to Bridget Kemmerer. And I apologize anytime I butcher an author's name. You did such a good job in the first book. Why you gotta just why why you gotta change it all in the second? Like I was all set. I was really happy. Yeah. I liked their love story, and I understand. And I like when YA authors do this. I love when adult authors do this. You think you know everything, and you're wrong. So let's unpack it in the second book. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do it with this one. So in my brain, this book ended after the first one because I yeah. liked how it ended. Um, and I might change my tune again. I might pick it up and be shocked and surprised. And no, but I, I know what you mean though, because my my next one is the Wicked series by Gregory Maguire. And like Wicked to me, and I love Gregory Maguire. I talk about his books all the time. He has a Christmassy book called um called Hidden Sea, which is like based off the Nutcracker. And he has one that came out last year, which is another kind of Christmassy one. It's amazing. I love his books. I love how he takes like well-known stories and like reimagines those stories in, in, in the world that they're in. And I, I love it. Wicked is incredible. It's so good. It's such a fun take on Wizard of Oz. And then he wrote three other books in the series, Son of a Witch, A Lion Among Men, and Out of Oz. And the thing is, like, I don't even blame him for doing that because anyone who knows about the Wizard of Oz, there are, um, L. Frank Baum wrote, like, 
I think it's 14 books in the original like Oz series. Like there's so many, it's, it's almost like, it's almost like the Chronicles of Narnia where like there's a lot of different stories in this world and we, we get characters that return and like, and it's great. So I don't blame him for writing other books and they're good. They're fine. But it's like, just like you said, for me, I want a wicked ended and to be like, oh, that was the end of the series. And then in my brain, I can kind of imagine what happened in that world moving forward. Um, it's sort of like, I remember when I first saw Toy Story and it ends and in my mind as a kid, I was like, oh, I can like keep, like I was sad, but I knew I could keep telling these stories in my own brain. It's like, what was happening in that world? And then they're like, just kidding. Here's Toy Story 2. Here's what's happening in that world. And I was like, well, all right, well, I'm going to enjoy this. And, but it like takes a little bit away from the first one to me. That's the same thing with the Wicked books. Like I like all four of them, but the first one to me could have very easily been a standalone of like, this is the world as I see it. And yes. then I'm going to move on and do and something I, different. And I think that's kind of like true with a lot of these that are on this list. They, they, they have such a strong out the gate opening. Mm-hmm. And I think obviously all of these books on this list are very popular and doing great. Mm-hmm. I think so. Obviously there are people who are like, I'm invested. I'm following this journey. And I'm also such a hypocrite because I'm going to follow all of these journeys. I'm probably going to read every book and every single series that I'm talking about here today. <laughs> Cause I am invested. I think it is just like the emotional toll it takes to get invested in a story. That's not done when mm-hmm. you liked how the first story ended for me is always like the challenge. Like Andrea will tell you when she recommends books to me, I won't read a book unless the series is completed. Yeah. I know this is a controversial topic. Adam always rolls his eyes at me. I love I, fan fiction. Everyone knows this about me. Who knows me? I love fan fiction. I won't read a fan fiction unless it's completed. And that's always a gamble because a lot of fan fiction authors who aren't getting paid obviously can just abandon ship. Yeah, so, I, but I understand what you're doing because I understand what you mean because I... I will read books of a series before the rest of the series comes out. But then what I end up finding myself doing when the next book comes out is like, because books take time to write and then they take time to market and promote and get pieced together. Like it could be two years. It could be longer before the next one comes out. I just remember like I've read so many books in that middle ground. So I'm actually coming around to your point of like, just waiting till the whole series comes out because I'm always like, wait, who is this person? I'm so bad with characters. Do I remember that? What happened to them? Yeah. And then there's like stuff, like sometimes there's like big reveals and I've missed them because I'm like, wait, why is this like a big deal? Or it's it's something like the moment passes, right? Mm-hmm. It's like when you tell a really funny joke in front of all your friends and then you hang out with like six different groups of friends like throughout that time mm-hmm. and you keep telling the same joke, your friends are going to stop laughing. <laughs> They're going to stop <laughs> laughing at your really good joke. And I think sometimes with these series, when they, like they, land, it, they land it right out of the gate, the magic is really hard to recreate and some authors do it. And to people listening, you're probably like, well, they did it again and again. What are you talking about? And that's the mm-hmm. benefit of reading. You can have different opinions. I just think for me, I get so stuck in a book. I read books exhaustively. I will read a book. I read you love me in five hours because mm-hmm. I just needed to know what happened. So I think that's the problem with me. The problem here is me and how I read. I finish a book and I get mad if I have to keep reading it because I'm so invested and I'm so into it especially if it ends in a cliffhanger and the series and the next mm-hmm. book isn't out yet, I will throw the book. I'll be like, yeah. are you kidding? But I, exactly, no, I, but I, I do think that's what makes talking about books with other like bookish people so much fun is because sometimes you can't put your finger on exactly why a second or third book falls flat. And then you can't maybe put your finger on like why a, a series, 
Like I love his dark materials. I love that series. And to me, those three initial books in that series, like the, the trilogy are, they all capture that magic. And then yes. um, they, and then the, the next book came out that was like a the start of a new series is book of dust. And I was like, that's awesome. This also captures the magic. And then there's the next book after that. And it just doesn't, it just is like, blah. And I can't point, put my finger on exactly why. And I think that is what's fun is like getting to kind of dissect like toy, like your point, like sometimes it just isn't as good. And you're allowed to think that and think maybe you don't know why, but it's just like, for whatever reason, like maybe you read it at a certain point in time in your life and it meant more to you. And so it's always going to feel that way to you. Like, you know, it's, it's, you're always going to have that special connection with that one book. And then by the time the next one comes out, maybe you're like, yeah. So if you read a whole series at the same time and you're in that moment, you. That's how talk- I, I think the, the Cinder, uh, the Lunar Chronicles by Marissa Meyer. I read that as they came out and I felt what I'm speaking about today was not the case with that. I was so glad that that was a series and every book landed and I loved it. And like the folk of the air series by Holly Black obsessively read that the third, I finished the first and second book before the third book came out. And when that third book came out, I devoured it. And I loved that experience. I, um, which brings me to my next book. Good transition. Good job. Thank you. Um, A Court of Thorn and Roses, Thorns mm-hmm. and Roses by Sarah J. Mass. I've talked about this book, Sarah J. Mass, excuse me. I've talked about this book. I don't know how many times on this podcast, the series. I love A Court of Thorns and Roses. I think it is a beautifully done series. I even love not a spoiler what she did in the second book in the series where she kind of like changed the narrative and you were like, whoa, I can't believe it. I loved it. I loved the third book. I loved how it ended. It was perfect. I cried. I laughed. I cried. I cried because it was over. And then I found out that she was writing like the next step, which Mm -hmm. is told from a different person's perspective. Um, I don't like it. Mm -hmm. I didn't. I don't. I'm, I'm, I'm actively reading it. I'm reading um, the fourth book, which is called um, A Court of Silver Flames. Um, it's told from Feyre's sister's perspective. Her name is Nesta. It's also her, it's an adult. The past, the past part of the series was YA. This, this part of the series is now adult. And that is very much clear. Mm-hmm. A lot of adult themes in it. And I think that's also my issue with this next part of the series, because it is, it's not, it's the next part of the series. It's a continuation. It's told from a different uh, point of view, which is interesting and exciting to do. But I think you were, I was so much in love with the first point of view from Feyre's perspective. And the first part of the series felt like an epic. Like there was so much going on between the first three books that it felt like a continuation. It wasn't so much character driven. It was very plot driven. There was very much a conflict happening. Mm-hmm. this book there's not much conflict happening it's very character driven from Nesta's point of view and unfortunately Nesta's just not a very likable character that is intentional and I'm sure she'll get her redemption arc in this story because Sarah J Moss does a beautiful do- job with redemption stories mm-hmm. I just I don't care I don't care about Nesta and I hope she stays miserable I'll just say it but that can that can be another like that can be another part. I hope she stays miserable. And I just like processed. That's like a whole nother thing as well. Like sometimes when you read a book and you fall in love with the the series or the story, a lot of it might have to do from the perspective because of the perspective of like, maybe it's a single perspective and you love that perspective. And then they're like, well, here's the second book. And it's told from someone else's perspective. Sometimes you're like, I 
wanted that first person to keep telling me this story. So I feel yeah. I and I think you obviously have biases, 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 biases. biases. Excuse me, everyone. Um, Bison. I I don't want to. I think what's happening in the, this book I just talked about, Silver Flames, Resand, who I loved obviously is in a rose tinted glass perspective in the first three books because it's you know Faye was falling in love with him and and then in this one we get to see what Nesta thinks of him and she hates him she mm-hmm. thinks he's thinks he's to use her terms excuse me everyone I'm going to use foul language she thinks he's an asshole yeah and she makes that very clear and that's fun to experience because obviously we don't see him in that light and those lights exist like you're not for everyone as a person and I think books to me have always been such an escape and I've read books to not escape like obviously I've read books to like realize things and be made smarter but sometimes a lot of these books I'm reading because I don't want to have to think about hard stuff Mm -hmm. and I don't want to have to think that these characters are flawed even though I'm a human being and I'm flawed and I know these people are I think I don't like when the point of view shifts because you now have to see the full dimensional person Mm -hmm. Sometimes you just don't want to. I yeah. want to believe that Resand is not an asshole and is a wonderful, loving person. And I'm sure he is to Feyre, but it is just, it's an interesting, it's just an interesting jump and I'm having a hard time with it. And hopefully I'm obviously going to keep reading because I'm invested and I will yeah. read the next book and the next book. It's just, sometimes it's a challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my next one is Dr. Sleep by Stephen King, the follow-up to The Shining and this gets back to like my point before is like <laughs> the shining was a complete story in one you got it in one what a the perfect great freaking book great movie all of it around and part of what makes that book so exceptional is that the majority of it, is, it takes place in one place you know the overlook hotel is very much a character in this particular book and everyone is sort of trapped there you can't leave and so like and we obviously know you if you read the book you know all the things that happen in the book and so everything that happened in that kind of like makes the lore makes up the lore of this second book but like you when a when a book is filled with like creepy lore and like overtones and things that like set the background for it you want to like un you want to peel those things back slowly but if you've read the first book you know all of them already so you're like oh here's why danny torrance now dan torrance it has the things going on because of all the experiences from the first book. And like, it's just such a completely different story that it's like sprawling. And it's like, there's like, they meet this nomadic, he meets this nomadic tribe who's like trying to uncover all of these like magical and like creepy things. And like for all of the demonic sort of magic for the shining, it's a lot more grounded. And then this one's just like, just kidding we're gonna go all over the map and I don't know I I know that uh, you know Jill loves Stephen King and I adore a lot of Stephen King stuff but like this one Dr. Sleep I was just like is this just we don't need to go back to this like we don't need to the shine you got it go we're good I don't need any more of of the Torrance family so hard pass for me on, on Dr. Sleep that one fell flat so what is you have one more I think um, I have Hold on, hold on. I added one while we were talking so I can scale it back. Fancy. No, you can. I know, you made me think of it. So I have three more. Okay, <laughs> yeah, no, that's very good. What's your next one? 
Okay. So you've heard me talk about this. I've recommended this book to you. I actually think it's on your bookshelf. Give it back to me. Um, the last child by John Hurt. I don't think that's on my bookshelf. I'm pretty sure I saw it like just on Saturday, but that's why I don't need it. I had, I don't need to read. I've read it. I've read it so many times. It's actually the book. Like, you know how in your back pocket, you always have the book you, you recommend to your friends. So like when someone asks you what your book recommendation is, the last child by John Hart is the book I have always recommended. It's one of my favorite books. That is still true. Still one of my favorite books of all time. Still a great book. Everyone should read it. So I don't, this isn't, this is a sequel, but I think it could also, I think he has said independently standalone. It's like, you don't need to know everything that happened in the first. Mm. So the hush is a follow-up to The Last Child told from Johnny Merriman's perspective. Johnny Merriman is the last child essentially in that first book. Um, and it's like, I don't want to know what he's like as an adult. I think that's my struggle. I'm uh, having I, deja vu about this entire conversation. <laughs> it may not be on your bookshelf. I don't know where it is. It's bothering me. I thought I let you borrow it. I might've let Julia. I think you let me borrow it and then I gave it back to you, but I'm going to absolutely go look when we get done recording. It's, or it's in my desk at work, which I have not been back at. So what the, the, the hush is told from Johnny's perspective. He's 10 years older and he's an adult and adults are flawed. And I think reading the story of the last child, which is told from 13 year old Johnny's perspective, he's hunting for his sister who's been missing for quite some time. And it's a very heartbreaking, tragic story. And, it, and that's kind of not where this, that book's not an escape. It's very much a mystery that gets solved in a very heartbreaking way. And I left that book behind. And then to find out that he's told a second aspect of Johnny's story, I just, I did read it and I did really like it. I think I just would have, I leave, I leave the last child in my memory as it ended. And I think of the hush as a completely separate book, Yeah. even though they're connected. And I think that that's, it would have been fine if it was just an adult story told from an adult perspective. But the fact that it's Johnny, I'm like, you leave Johnny alone. Johnny is forever 13 in my brain. Um, all right. So the, my last one, maybe I'll think of one while you're doing your next one, but, uh, son of Rosemary, which if that doesn't ring a bell to anybody, it's Rosemary's baby's second book, which what? I didn't even know. I didn't even know that there was a second book. Yeah. It, that's because it got dunked on so hard by reviews. Um, so Rosemary's baby is exceptional. It's super creepy. It is dark and gothic and just so it's one of the scariest books of all time it's amazing it's super creepy and leads you to believe it doesn't even lead you to believe that the she's having she's birthing the child of the devil and that it ends very ominously like what's going to happen is the world doomed dun 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 like and that's where you leave it Son of Rosemary tells the further story of this child and like things happen that basically just make the the plot of the first book irrelevant. And I hate when books do that, when they're just like, they'll retcon something and it just completely ruins the vibe as well as the, um, the mood and the point of a book before it. And you're like, cool, I'm glad we. Cool, I was so invested. No, and I'm disappointed to find out. I've not read it, obviously. I, this is news to me. So. It's literally just Rosemary's baby, just like living life and like what's going on, chaos. Um, yeah, basically. So Rosemary, Rosemary's son, his name is Andy, is believed to be like kind of like a savior. It's really, really weird, and it's it's 
I just I'm looking at the description now so I can like best describe it succinctly. Um, it's considered a darkly comic sequel, which I didn't really think. Um, but it's like 33 years after Rosemary's Baby, and um, then it's like 1999, and basically everyone is freaking out and rosemary's son andy is believed to be like a savior of the world and it's very weird it's super super weird and what if toy story and rosemary's baby had like an overlap and andy was the son of rosemary and that's why all the toys are alive there you go oh my gosh you did it you got it i did it i did it oh um but yeah that was your next one go ahead uh my next one is me before you by jojo moyes I loved that book. I thought mm-hmm. it was very wonderful. I, I enjoyed the story. I enjoyed the story. I enjoyed how I didn't enjoy how it ended because I, feel, I don't know if you know how it ends, but it ends sad and, mm-hmm. but it ends sad, but hopeful. It's not the like typical happily ever after, but it ends on a, a, a note of hope and it ends great. I can, I can, I can, I can believe what happens to Lou after the end of me before you. Mm-hmm. I didn't need to know what happened to Lou after me before you, but yet it exists. And I think that's where I, what we talked about, it's the same kind of idea of, I didn't actually just, I just, now I'm researching. There's a third book. I didn't realize that there's after you and then still me. So it's the story, mm-hmm. I guess, goes on. And I think because me before you is a love story that ends the way it does. I don't, you invest so much time and energy into this relationship that's fostered in the first book. And yes, I should be interested in what happens to Lou in book two and book three. I just, I liked how the first book ended. And I think mm-hmm. I didn't, it's like the going back to, I didn't need to see where she was and what she did after I yeah. could have left it to my imagination. And I think that's where I struggle with series. I don't, when I have to go off my imagination, mm-hmm. I don't want, I don't want people. And for me, I had this whole thought about what happened to Lou after the end of me before you. Mm -hmm. And it didn't go that way. The book did not go the way my imagination did. And that's, that's my fault because I don't know Lou. Jojo Moyes does, but I think that's where I I have a hard time when you see an ending and an ending ends so perfectly, you don't want the details after. Yeah, I get that. Um, I couldn't find another one. So what's, what's your last one? Uh, the last one is If I Stay by Gail Foreman. Um, the second book in that series is where she went. So in the story of If I Stay, uh, the character's in a coma. Mm-hmm. And it's this kind of choice that she has to make. Is she going to go essentially onward or come back to earth? That's the kind of like interesting, the catch of this story of wondering if, and sometimes it points in the story, admitting to yourself that you can understand why she would want to move on obviously she did not and there's a second book um and it, the, the first book ends with that knowledge that she decides to stay mm-hmm. and there's a love interest who I feel like is beautifully done and is ambiguous enough that you don't need to know their history or their story but it's like a it's like a beautiful love story but that's not just what the story is you know there's so much this, the main characters lost her family I I think it, it ended perfectly mm-hmm. the second book kind of is a an exploration of Mia and Adam's relationship and Mia's kind of resentment towards him a little bit. And that's a very realistic look at relationships. Obviously relationships have flaws, but again, it's, I don't know if I needed to know that story. Yeah. I, 
I know what you mean. And like, I, like there's a book coming out later this year that's the sequel to Aristotle and Dante Discover the Secrets of the Universe. And to me, that's like a perfect coming of age book. Like it's well and truly perfect. It's beautiful and it ends in such a way that I just love. And that's another one where like, I'm gonna excitedly read the sequel and hope that it's as good. But I, I need to maybe set my expectations like to understand that maybe it's, even if it's not, that doesn't, like none of these books that we talked about it doesn't mean that they're bad books necessarily. It's just like, here are the reasons why we didn't like them. But that is like, that's one, like, I hope it's great. I'm really looking forward to it, but I need to like set my, like temper my expectations, be like, okay, maybe don't. And like, that's our own, maybe that's all of our own fault as readers, like to expect to get the exact same experience out of a second book when, you know, the, the author might want to be doing something different because of this. I feel like that's like the same thing with like musicians. Like when an, when an album comes out, that's exactly what you want it to be. And then the band probably wants to explore different types of music. And then it comes out like the second album comes out and you're like, but I wanted more of that folk. Like, where's the mandolin? And they're probably like, we are tired of playing the same type of instruments. hundred. Like, that's probably how authors are. They're probably talking, you know, they're tired about talking about and thinking about the exact same experience over and over. Right. But you don't strike. I think it's, it's nostalgia driven. You remember exactly how you felt the first time you read a really good book in a series. And yeah. then you probably won't strike gold again, but that's, that's why you keep reading. You keep searching. You keep trying to find that next book, that next song, that next artist, that next Mm -hmm. chocolate chip cookie. Like you just keep trying to recreate that magic. And sometimes you do, and sometimes you don't. And that's the benefit of this discourse is Mm -hmm. you might all think, you know what? I thought they struck gold the second time and you're Mm -hmm. wrong. And that's, that's great. So everyone feel free to shoot us an email or a tweet or an Instagram message about whichever one's you agreed with us, disagreed with us, which books maybe you didn't think were entirely necessary. Um, send me series that are done. Yeah, I'm really send- excited. If there's a book series out there that I've not read that's completed, I want to read it. I like them. I just, I don't, I can't, I can't extend it. Then, yeah. then I get, then I get in this space where I'm like, man, I got thoughts. My dog is now um, kicking up all of my sweatshirts that I have folded neatly. So I'm going to go take care of that. But um, all right, guys, well, I, I this was this was fun. It was a little bit different. Um, and Krista, thank you for having this idea when you were hanging out in our in person for the first time in like forever. No problem. No problem. Um, but yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Professional Book Nerds podcast. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Adam Sokol and Jill Grunewald and presented by Overdrive. For more information, visit professionalbooknerds.com. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.